Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Enlightened Podcast, where I share real motherhood stories and empower the soul of the mother through mindfulness and spirituality. I'm your host, Lena Lemos. Do you have weird food rules? Did your parents teach you weird food rules like fruit has too much sugar or you're not supposed to eat this before that or you're not supposed to eat this on an empty stomach? And then was there a lot of guilt and shame surrounding these food rules? Like, for instance, if you chose pizza, which I will always choose over eating a salad. Today, I'm talking to emotional eating coach Carrie Necrash, and Carrie shares how she went through some weird food shit, but then was able to find intuitive eating. And now she's empowering other women to listen to their bodies more and remove the guilt and the shame and the shoulds of diet culture and what it means to be beautiful and to really start listening to our intuition of what to put in our bodies and how to move our bodies. So here's Carrie. So tell me where your weird things with food started. Well, I grew up in Connecticut, in my doctor middle class. Now, lovely family. And, you know, I always think back when I talk with other people with weird food shit, and it tends to start in the home, you know, coming from a mom who was always on a diet or, you know, parents who restricted you know cookies or whatever it may be and like I just did not grow up that way I had a very very normal quote-unquote normal relationship with food growing up my parents were never said anything about our bodies about what you know good food bad food you know obviously we learned the basics of you know good to eat fruits and vegetables but we weren't restricted by any means when it comes to fun foods like ice cream or dessert so that was all totally normal um I was athletic and, you know, just a pretty kind of a tomboy, happy kid. Um, and when I was 17, I was raped by a um, someone I had previously dated. I didn't tell anybody, as so many young women do. We went about my business. Um, it definitely changed at that point. Mm-hmm. Not with weird food shit yet, but just, you know, obviously it was super trauma. Yeah. I went off to college. I escaped literally down to South Carolina because I needed to get the heck thinking, you know, I could run away from my problems. So I went down to college uh, and was really dealing with the trauma. And I realized now, not in the time, you know, by partying and drinking a lot, mm-hmm. having a good time. Um, and my roommate, freshman year, had weird food shit. Like, she was always on a diet. That was the first time I was really exposed dieting um and like so many freshmen in college you know that freshman quote-unquote 15 I probably I I don't even know I put on a little weight which is also quite normal at that age for women um I was like let me let me try this dieting thing and then that summer between freshman and sophomore year I went back home and went on a diet and that just spiraled into full-blown anorexia pretty fast and that summer, I did finally open up to my mom about the trauma. So, you know, she helped get me a therapist and started working through that. Um, but then I went back to school, and then the anorexia quickly just kind of turned into non-purging bulimia is what I call, call what I had. Um, so pretty much I would eat all the things, and then 
you know, restrict or exercise to compensate for it. So, mm. you know, basically binge and then not eat, not eat, not eat, run, binge. And that pretty much went on in varying degrees, you know, straight through undergrad um, and into my early adulthood. Um, so I did do a few bouts in eating disorder treatment centers uh, right out of college. I always wanted to recover from the weird food shit, but I, it, it's, you know, it's hard because um, diet culture is a monster. And once you get in that cycle, it's really, really hard to break. Um, so I really, can I consider myself recovered from weird food shit now for close to eight years. Um, but it did morph because it, like anything, I can look back now and realize like I stopped doing the binge restrict cycle. But then I fell for what I call the wellness diet, like, right, you know, still really into exercise and let me have a green juice and maybe I'll try paleo because, you know, the gurus say don't do dairy and gluten. And so it was still weird food shit in hindsight. Um, so it really took me until about almost two years ago now when I was like, just woke up one day. It was right around when I was knew I was trying to get pregnant. I was like, I don't want to bring up a child around this craziness like it's still I, I knew I had to get really serious with myself and be like is this coming from like my food control is it is it control or is it self-care like is it self-control or is it self-care and they realized like I would get anxious you know if I was not you know if I missed too many workouts that week or I you know didn't fall I fell off my plan and went out to eat and like a dairy but I wanted to be dairy free for no real good reason just because I thought that's what I you know should do I realized you know that's still weird food shit <laughs> and so I had to I had to find a way out and that's when um, I had read intuitive eating along with every other diet book under the sun um, over the course of the years and kind of dug it out and found um, intuitive eating and that changed my whole life literally just opened up my eyes. What was it like trying to get over this weird food shit and then also becoming pregnant? Well, I, I actually was very lucky and I got pregnant pretty quickly and, um, you know, had a very healthy pregnancy, but almost the, I was fairly sick first trimester. So that actually helped, I think, in my yep. weird food shit because um, I've been, I stay in therapy. I'm a huge, huge proponent of therapy. So um, talking to my therapist early on and she gave me some advice. She's like, whatever, she's like to deal with the nausea. She's like, whatever you're craving, like that's what you need to eat. And I was like, all I want to eat are cheese. It's like, literally mm. that's all I could stomach for cheese. It's she's like, yeah. that's what you eat. <laughs> so, you know, Oh my gosh. Cheese. Cheese was the only thing I could eat during my first trimester when I was so sick too. And I was actually dairy-free before my pregnancy. And then the only thing I wanted was cheese. And I went hardcore on nachos. Gluten-free, <laughs> dairy-free went immediately out the window because it had to. And it has been since then, which is great. But so that actually just really helped because I had to survive those first 12 weeks. Um, and yeah. letting go and being like, my baby's going to be healthy even though I'm not eating what I thought was, you know, quote unquote healthy. It's like, I'm not giving him all these micronutrients and, you know, fruits and vegetables because I couldn't stomach vegetables. It was like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he came out perfectly healthy and fine. God bless. So, 
Um, it actually helped me a lot. So it was almost like, yeah, it was almost like cold turkey. It, it kind of was, yes. And it was like, you know, I had to have the choice. Of like, <laughs> am I going to go back to my old ways or am I going to keep on trucking? And, you know, now cheeses are just a part of my life and it's fine. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so, so, then, <laughs> so then you gave birth to a healthy baby boy and then your intuitive eating journey kind of blossomed from there. How did it start to gain momentum? Uh, well, maternity leave, you know, was great because I did a lot of just sitting on my ass holding a new horse. So a lot of reading. You know, <laughs> um, I found the health at every size um, books by Linda Bacon as well. She's a researcher. And, um, so I just started like really diving into all the work and I found this great community online of intuitive eating counselors. So I um, signed up to become one myself and I just never looked back as far as the food goes. That doesn't mean I still don't have moments where I'm like, you know, cause postpartum is a, is a tricky time too. With our bodies and, you know, all the pressure out there, mm-hmm. gotta get your body back and whatever that even means back to what. Um, yeah. And we all still have bodies. <laughs> exactly. And they're forever changed. We had babies. That's a beautiful thing. And it's okay. Um, so I did have to do some, um, that's where mindfulness mm-hmm. is so important. Like a lot of, you know, slowing down, talking to myself, positive affirmations and, and, and being okay with, you know, I'm not going to run back to the gym and, and I'm a year out now and I still don't want to. I'm very happy with um, my slower paced hmm. life. And I found that by intuitive eating and actually truly just listening to my body and what I want, when I want it, Yeah, everything's okay. <laughs> my body stays in a happy, healthy place. And I feel as balanced as I can, you know, considering that I'm still breastfeeding and still have hormones that are, you know, playing into this. But um, I found it to be not that, not that challenging, but it has, I think people have to come to this point mm-hmm. that you have to be ready. Um, you have to really, truly decide that you just don't ever want to diet again, that your life is ready for that change. Cause dieting for a lot of people is a mm-hmm. coping mechanism. Um, you, you know, you, st- you start doing it because when you start a diet there's kind of like a dieter's high we call it like where you're super excited about it and y'all gung-ho and you're meal prepping and you know it gives you something to do Mm -hmm. and really focus on and it takes away it takes a significant chunk of you know time and headspace and brain space so when I got rid of that it opened up a, some anxiety because it was like, okay, I have all this time now. And like, what do I really, what am I doing? <laughs> what do I want to do with my life now that I'm, you know, 20 years later of doing weird food shit or worrying about, mm-hmm. you know, food and body. So it, it allowed me all this time to really do the research and dive into it. And I've built a whole business around it since then, all, all since having a baby. And I went right back to my corporate job as well. So, which I never would have been able to do a full-time job, a part-time job, build a business and take care of a baby while breastfeeding and be doing weird food shit. Like I would have imploded. So (laughs) I'm just amazed when my clients do this work and, and, um, start intuitive eating, like 
how much their whole lives change because it opens up mm. all that time and all that energy um, to focus on other things. Okay. So walk me through the basics of intuitive eating. I mean, it sounds pretty self-explanatory, but I want to hear it from you as to just the foundation of it. Sure. Well, it, intuitive eating comes from a book literally called Intuitive Eating um, from two researchers and um, registered dietitians, uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Brasher, their names, and it's based on 10 principles. And it's a great book. And it, I recommend pretty much everybody reads it if they've ever been on a diet or struggle with any sort of weird food shit. Um, but essentially, the, it boils down to listening to your body, eating food, you know, that you want to eat, legalizing all foods, meaning every food is allowed. There's no good, bad, should, shouldn't, can, can't anymore. It's letting go of all of those food rules, which often people have a tremendous amount of food rules, uh, whether it's, um, you know, being at home, like the clean plate club, you got to finish your plate before you can have dessert or mm. whatever it may be. And then, of course, you know, diet culture and, you know, what we're bombarded with uh, commercials and the media and definitely through social media. So it's, it's putting all of that aside, letting it go and getting back in tune with your body. Um, I've heard it been described and I really like this description. Um, I think Isabel Fox and Duke, she's a, a kind of a guru in this world as it's the process of accepting sanity and putting weight loss on the back burner. So it's kind of really, truly coming back to yourself. Um, Cause when I mean, you have a 10 week old, so you have mm -hmm. an intuitive eating baby in action, you know, we're all born that way. Like you can't force a nipple into a nope. baby's mouth if they're not hungry. It's mm -hmm. simple like that. They eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're not, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And they go about their business. Um, but you know, along the way we get all mucked up because of, diet culture and the culture of our homes or whatever it may be. And we just lose touch with our body signals. You know, mm -hmm. how many people skip breakfast because they say, oh, I'm not hungry. It's like, I bet you probably are. You just are very good at not listening to it anymore. So mm -hmm. that's really the first, first steps is, is letting all those food rules go, getting back in touch with your own body and your hunger signals, and then honoring them and eating when you're hungry and eating what you want because if you restrict in any way whether it's you know physical restriction like actually truly like not eating xyz food or if it's emotional restriction like i really want to eat cake at the birthday party but i'm not going to because you know you have this food rule in your head that you think cake is bad but then you're you know so you maybe eat some i don't know like a paleo wheat-free steak brownie or something but you really wanted the cake eventually that's when the binges happen because you you keep denying yourself what you actually truly want instead of just eating the damn cake and moving on with your life <laughs> just eat the damn cake <laughs> just eat the damn cake because oh well, yeah that's otherwise you get obsessed and cuckoo and that's when you're at and then you're shoveling it in you know standing over the sink like not even enjoying it and then feeling all the guilt, shame, and self-judgment that comes after those episodes. That's just not, not fun yeah. for anybody. So what everything you just said made me think of two things that I want to get into. The first is just food rules. 
because oh, you made yeah. me think of that. And I, I love the, the way that's phrased food rules because you're right. And it's funny how the more you come into contact with people and you meet more people and you start talking about food or you share meals together and you really, everyone has their own food rules. And I am just yeah. thinking about this now. Well, there's so many. I mean, I, my clients come to me with like, you know, afraid of fruit or I will only eat half of a banana instead of a whole banana. <laughs> you know, someone aware along the line, they thought that the whole banana just had too much sugar. Oh my you know, goodness. things like that that just end up, you know, we all, yeah, like have them from growing up too. You know, like I definitely had to like finish your milk before you can have dessert thing. You know, I didn't yeah. think anything of it. And, I'm like, I drank milk. <laughs> I can't even imagine doing that. But you know, we're surrounded by food rules. And yeah. people kind of pick, like, say they've been on eight different diets over the course of their life. And it's like, oh, I'm going to keep this one from that one and that mm-hmm. one from that one. I'm not going to eat after six o'clock. Or yeah. I'm going to do the intermittent fasting thing. And I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. And they tend to get passed down through the generations, which then leads me to the second thing that I was thinking about while you're saying that is the shame that surrounds it. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's the biggest one for sure. Um, And it does often start, you know, in the home. Like if I always think about it, like nobody would die if we all lived, you know, on a, deserted island from day one you're just with yourself like you would mm-hmm. never go to die your body would mm-hmm. just be whatever and you had ample access to food or whatnot yeah. like your body would just go to where genetically biologically is supposed to go yeah just like we all have different colored eyes and some people mm-hmm. are tall people are short and some people are naturally in larger bodies and some people are naturally in smaller bodies mm-hmm. and that's okay it's a beautiful thing that's you know what the world's should be but you know diet culture tells us that no we all need to be in smaller bodies Mm -hmm. Um, so people who are genetically in larger bodies have it the world is unfortunately not made for them right now so they fight 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 to try and be something that they aren't and all the guilt and the shame that Mm -hmm. that comes from that and it's unnecessary and it's really sad yeah One thing that makes me think of is that when I was in college, I was an anthropology minor. And one of the things, the first things we learned about was diet culture. And I forget what island it was. It might've been Tahiti. That that might be wrong, but never had any body image issues. And then they got TV and started watching Baywatch. And then the, the, yeah. yeah. And then the anorexia cases skyrocketed. Right. And it's just, it's so true because it it really is diet culture and this culture that we put and say that there's only one beautiful, there's only one size fits all, you know, and that creates shame too. Absolutely. And and it's really from day one. I mean, we can do our best to keep our children safe from it at home. Mm -hmm. So that's what I try and empower my clients to do yeah but you know then they go to school (laughs) and there are kids whose parents you know aren't doing that at home Mm -hmm. they they learn and somewhere along the way they hear that fat is bad Mm -hmm. it's really awful 
Yeah. And then there's social media to go with all of that. Exactly. It's very dangerous. And then we're just comparing ourselves to astronomical rates. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. One thing that has always made me so uncomfortable is being around my peers and watching them say just such negative things about other women on social media. Like, oh, look at her thighs. Oh, she got fat. Or I can't believe she looks like that now. And it's just so heartbreaking to hear those things, especially when we become mothers and we have these children who are, and especially daughters who are looking up to us as examples of how we should treat others. And it really is just so hard to change the rhetoric around dieting and what is beautiful and how our body should look. That's right. Um, but my best advice for people um, is to create, you know, curate your own safe body positive bubble, you know, in your home, in your own social media, you know, follow empowering women in all shapes and sizes. You know, your website is tremendous for that. All these women are just, you know, amazing. I was reading through them all the last couple of days like surrounding yourself with positive imagery and um and, and questioning the beauty mm-hmm. ideal and getting educated mm-hmm. that you know size does not equal health you can be yeah. healthy at every size and and mm-hmm. yeah it's a beautiful thing really is so let's talk about your journey as an intuitive eater Intuitive eating counselor. I said that right, right? Yeah, yeah. How has, and I love asking this question because the answers just light me up. So how has empowering these other women, especially through their postpartum journey and discovering intuitive eating, how has it changed your eating journey? How has it healed your your, your woo? How has it healed your weird food shit? And how has it empowered you? Well, it's like, it's kind of a wild ride. Like, you know, they say parenthood and motherhood changes you. And and I anticipated that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it changed me so much more than I ever could have actually imagined. It changed my career. It changed, you know, what I want to do with my life. And now my whole sole purpose is now to empower women to, to live their best lives and to to hopefully raise the next generation of intuitive eaters who who continue to push back and fight. So I'm wondering when we're raising daughters, how can we start to pass down these principles of intuitive eating to them? to, To first things first is to just never talk about any of your you know, weird food shit in front of them. Hopefully you can work through it and not, you know, have any to worry about. But to not talk mm-hmm. about your body in a negative way, really talk about your body at all, or anyone's body for that matter. You know, except in, yeah. in positive ways, but not really ever commenting on someone's physical being is what I recommend. And that includes mm-hmm. theirs. You know, instead of you know, especially little girls, it's so common. You know, I still catch myself doing it all the time. I have two nie- nieces, and, you know, 
oh, you look so pretty, or, you know, you're so pretty, thank you, just whatever it may be. I'm trying to not do that and comment on, you know, other aspects of them, like, you know, you're so smart for reading that book, or I love that mm-hmm. outfit you put together, you have such fun style, things mm-hmm. like that, instead of actually commenting on their actual physical bodies. And that goes for everybody under the sun. I think that's just good advice. I wish everyone yeah. would do that. Because you don't realize, you know, how even when you think you're maybe making a positive comment of somebody, it can be, you know, taken so many different ways. If someone overhearing mm-hmm. it could interpret it and just perpetuate that. So for little girls, trying to never talk negatively about bodies in front of them, um, talking to them about the media, you know, when you encounter it together and talking about Photoshop and, you know, how models and things you're seeing, you know, in magazines or in print or, you know, even on TV and social media, how they're, you know, it's essentially fake. These aren't real images. People come in all different shapes and sizes, and that's a great thing. Just keeping the dialogue open. And then as far as the actual food goes, um, you know, keeping a wide variety of options, keeping fun foods in the house, letting them have access to all different kinds of food, and trying to, you know, and I don't, I'm, my son's about to be one, so he's eating three meals a day and snacks and all that, and I find myself even, like last night, he just ate mac and cheese and ignored all the vegetables and all the other things on his tray. And I found myself being like, don't you want some broccoli? And then I was like, well, let's time. Let the kid eat. You know, and that goes for our kids. If we let them do their thing and eat what they want, our job is to provide the food and to provide the variety. It's their job to eat what they want and try not yeah. to, to interfere and trust that they know what they're doing because they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my dear friends who I adore and she's a mother of three, she was telling me when I was pregnant, how when she was pregnant with her first daughter, she was so looking forward to just making her little baby food and all these organic vegetables. And she got a little baby food processor and then all of her daughter would eat was cottage cheese. (laughs) (laughs) And, but, but she accepted it and she was just, you know, exactly what you said that, Hey, it's okay. But just funny that what we expect and then what reality is, is being okay with the difference or the vast difference between the two. Right. I think that's just a good lesson of, you know, parenthood in general. It's like, we want one thing and it's probably going to go the opposite. That's okay. So in terms of realizing and accepting it, do you have experience with your clients that there's a lot less frustration now with feeding our kids and just accepting that they're going to eat what what they eat? Yes, absolutely. Um, I actually have even had clients that I really like this tip that, you know, they've found so much more peaceful interactions around the table. Some parents even, uh, you know, bring dessert with the actual meal. And let the kids choose whatever they want. And even if they grab a cookie, like instead of, you know, their broccoli, and that's all they eat. And being okay with it. Because they know mm-hmm. the kid's going to not just eat cookies three meals a day. Because bodies mm-hmm. crave all different varieties of food. 
And we all naturally want to feel good and feel energized. You know, and children just naturally do that. We all do. We just screw it up. So by being able to do that, it's just like true peace and, and freedom. And, you know, and the parents should be doing the same thing. It's like, if you just want to eat the cookie, then by all means, eat the, eat the damn cookie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the next night, you just might want a salad. Who knows? But, you know, our bodies yeah. won't tell us. So I think it really decreases stress and anxiety. And I mean, it, there's so many feeding little people blogs out there and you know it's a real mm-hmm. as I'm getting into this motherhood thing it's like such a big deal you know like in like yeah. every other part of motherhood all that pressure like well don't you feed your kid just organic and like you know yeah. I said my kid mac and cheese last night if you had asked me that even you know two years ago like that I would be feeding my 11 month old mac and cheese I would have said absolutely not I'm going to be making all my own food <laughs> And, yeah, you know, they're going to be so he- quote unquote healthy. And now it's like, no, he eats a wide variety and it's great. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. Do you have any other mindfulness rituals that really play into this intuitive eating and help you be more present and listen to your body? Well, I have a lot of mindfulness rituals I'm trying to think of They're not necessarily, you know, intuitive eating related, but they are in the sense of it could all come down to of being with ourselves and understanding ourselves mm-hmm. and, and and in order to do that we need to be able to slow down and be mindful. So I'm a big proponent of getting outside every day and you know, even if it's five minutes, just getting fresh air and breathing. Except maybe no fresh air for me with the pollen right now. um, and movement is still i think extremely important you know joyful movement moving our bodies in ways that you know feels good to us whatever that may be whether it's a walk or stretching or you know a formal class or something Mm -hmm. along those lines but to be with our bodies um is is really important i think with intuitive eating and to you know have a little dance party with yourself and feel your skin and like be aware of your physical sense it's extremely important and dance parties are awesome especially as moms <laughs> our little people yeah. think they're just so funny <laughs> I love how you said joyful movement I like it phrased that way yeah it's just I can't stand you know, hearing exercise it just sounds to me it brings up nothing good like yeah. bad memories and gym class or like yeah, you know, punishment. It shouldn't be. It's a, just like we naturally crave a variety of, you know, foods to to feel good and energized. Like we we crave movement as well. It's important, mm-hmm. you know, in life with, you know, so many people's jobs, it, it, we are sitting more than ever. So, I am a big fan of yeah. movement. Yeah, I was gonna say that it seems like the the punishment and the shame around exercise is just so closely related to weird food shit. It, oh, it is tremendous. Um, and for myself, that was a big one as well. Cause I've always been, you know, considered myself an athlete and athletic and it's always been an important part of my life, but there was a very fine line there where it was like, am I compensating for what I'm eating with exercise? Am I punishing myself mm-hmm. for something I ate or, you know, yeah. 
I did this much exercise, therefore I get to eat this much. It's it's definitely a for a lot of people like really cutting back on on the movement for a while is important. Joyful movement. I'm going to use that from now on. So I like to end this podcast on words of encouragement for anyone out there, maybe some women who have some weird food shit or just really need to start listening to their bodies more, step into their authentic self and stop worrying about diet culture and everything they think they should be. So what are your words of wisdom to end on? So words of wisdom would be to just take it slow and be really kind to yourself. Um, just try and slow down, even if it's, you know, a minute in the morning, right when you wake up to close your eyes, breathe deeply and to connect with your body and what's going on and to really pay attention to how you're feeling. Um, and doing that, you know, multiple times over the course of the day, checking in with yourself. Am I hungry? What does my body need? You know, am I craving a little bit of movement? Am I hungry? Do I need to eat? Even though it may not be, you know, what you normally would think that you need to eat. Um, And it doesn't take a lot of time to do that. You know, I know all moms are so busy. It's crazy how busy we are. But just stopping to pause, you know, three, four, five times out of the day, take a few deep breaths and to just connect with yourself um, is really the kind of the first step to, to start this process. They always say to like, think of yourself as, you know, if you have a, a little daughter or a little girl or um, and to talk to yourself the way that you would talk to them, you know, use loving words, um, be supportive. You had a bad day or things didn't go as planned or you did some weird food shit. You know, what would you tell your best friend or, you know, three-year-old you in that scenario? You know, you would be loving and supportive and, um, you know, none of this takes a lot of time. It's really just pausing and and being in the moment, you know, multiple times over the course of the day. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Hood, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, find us on Instagram at Enlightened Hood. And subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday.